Welcome to Untangle, the podcast from Meditation Studio. I'm your host, Patricia Karpus. In this series, we introduce you to real people with extraordinary stories and experts who have devoted their lives to teaching and helping others through meditation. In today's episode, I interview Bob Raw. Bob is the CEO of the David Lynch Foundation and one of the top transcendental meditation teachers in the country. He's an industry leader, frequent speaker, author, and the host of his own radio show, Success Without Stress. Bob brings a new perspective to our podcast as he discusses the benefits of a daily TM practice, and he shares how the David Lynch Foundation teaches meditation in inner-city schools, to veterans, to survivors of domestic violence, and to other underserved populations. Bob also directs the Center for Leadership, which brings meditation to Fortune 100 companies. How did he get into TM, and why does he believe it's one of the most powerful evidence-based tools to alleviate stress? Bob shares his thoughts on this in today's conversation. Before we hear Bob's story, this podcast is brought to you by Meditation Studio, Apple's pick as one of the 10 best apps of the year. It's a great way to kickstart your own meditation practice. You can download it in the App Store. If you have questions or suggestions for a podcast or app, email me at patricia at meditationstudioapp.com. Now, here's Bob. Bob, it is so great to have you on Untangle today. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. I appreciate being here. Yeah. So I want to start by getting a little background. I know you started meditating when you were 18. What inspired you to start this whole journey? Well, it's, a, it's an interesting question because my upbringing, starting at 18 in 1969, was not, I did not have an orientation towards meditation. My orientation actually was towards sort of social service. My family, just growing up in the 60s, my family was very politically oriented. We talked about, you know, Nixon and Kennedy and Johnson and Goldwater. And I wanted to be a U.S. senator like Bobby Kennedy did because I wanted to help change the world. So when he was assassinated and then I went to Berkeley in 1968, I wanted to change the world and I wanted to do it through the, through the channel of politics. But politics was so disgusting mm. then as now. Mm-hmm. I lost my fascination with politics and I moved over to the profession of my mother, which was an educator. I was wanted to work with inner city school kids give them ways to tools to empower themselves. And so here I was 18 years old, Berkeley, 1968-69, going to school full-time, working full-time, and a friend, here we're pivoting to meditation here now, Patricia. (laughs) Friend said, uh, you ought to try transcendental meditation. And I really admired and trusted him. And I said, you do that? And he said, yeah, I meditate. And I said, well, I'm, you know, I'm a skeptic. And he said, you don't have to believe in anything. And it'll be really good for your mind and for stress. And so I, based on him, I went to a lecture and I heard about it and it sounded interesting to me. And I, I learned to do it June 28th, 1969. And my first or second meditation, I remember having a thought, I, this is great. I'd like to teach this to kids. So I ended up from my first meditation, loving it so much. And then I became a teacher and I taught it from 1972 on at prisons and inner city schools and Apple computer and banks and now with the David Lynch Foundation. What was it about the, you know, first or second 
time meditating that really triggered you to say, this is life changing and I'm going to continue to do it? Well, the analogy that I use for, for the mind and meditation is, you know, you're on a little boat and you're stuck in the middle of the Atlantic or Pacific Ocean or wherever you are. And all of a sudden you get these giant 30 foot high waves and you little boat and everything seems overwhelming and you could think the whole ocean is exploding. But if you did a cross section of the ocean out there, you'd realize that there's these 30 foot high waves, but in reality, the ocean is a mile deep. And while it can be tur pure turbulent on the surface at the depth, it's silent. And so that's the analogous to the mind where the surface of the mind is the monkey mind or the gotta, gotta, gotta mind. But the depth of the mind, the hypothesis is deep within every one of us is a level of our mind that we access silence and calm and pure energy and intelligence and happiness. We access that field. And when that happens, the body gets this incredibly very real, concrete, palpable relax, not just a sense of relaxation, but all the muscles in your in your body just settle down. I mean, just relax and yet your mind is awake. And that experience for us, an 18 year old kid who never really ventured into anything because my mind was so busy. I couldn't, I couldn't, I tried things, but I couldn't control my mind. I have a very active mind. It's so automatic, so deep and relaxing. I thought, I, you know, some people learn to meditate and they think, oh, I'm going to get enlightened. My thing was, oh, I'm going to teach this to kids. Well, had you dealt with a lot of anxiety as a child? I, not as a child. I had like this typical normal, you know, 50s. I was born in 1950s upbringing. The, the, I think in 67, it was getting a little bit, when I was in high school, a little intense with the war. And um, I was getting more politically aware, you know, as I said, working for Bobby Kennedy. But when I went to Berkeley, and there was helicopters spraying tear gas. Going away to college in your first year is intense anyway. Right. Yeah. Tear gas and strikes and tanks. And I, I realized that the kind of change, because I was doing volunteer work and I was teaching inner city school, school kids to read and all that. I thought those kinds of changes, they're too ephemeral. You know, I could spend every day teaching a kid to read, but then where does he go home to? Mm -hmm. What is he eating? And you could do all these other things, give them better, better food. But then the trauma and the scar and the wounds of that upbringing, that doesn't get touched by political transformation. But I realized, oh, if I could give a, a, a child an experience of transcending, of accessing that calm within, that could heal them in ways, and they would do their own healing in ways that nothing else could get to. And yet, understanding you still have to have better health care, you still have to have better schools, you still have to have better food, you still have to have clean water, you know, all those things, but you, it's not, you do them all at the same time. I really love how you started meditating and then it became such a major part of your life, both personally and professionally, and it pivoted it, it, so that you were able to still do the things that you wanted to do to change the world and to work with children. And I mean, I think that's amazing. So you decided to go do this on your own and then you joined the David Lynch Foundation or were there like- See what happened was I heard about TM or the word TM was out there because the Beatles had gone to study with right. uh, Maharishi Mahesh Yogi. So Maharishi was in the news 
and the Beatles were in the news. So I'd sort of heard about it, but I, I, I was sort of skeptical about everything. And then when my friend Peter told me to learn, then I learned. And then in 1970, Maharishi was traveling. He, he held a month-long meditation course. I spent a month with Maharishi, and he was talking about all these amazing things about the brain and consciousness and transforming society and higher states of consciousness and all these things with all these Nobel laureates. And it was like just sort of blew my mind because it was all science, but I hadn't heard it in college. And so he had all these top people. And then I decided then that I wanted to become a teacher. So I studied for five months with Maharishi in Europe in 1972. It's educational and it's social change. So somehow stumbling upon things, I ended up in a good profession for myself. I, I want to ask you one other question about when you started doing TM. Were there any other types of meditations that people were doing at that time? Or Because I kind of remember that too. And TM was a big deal because of the Beatles. But, and I don't remember that mindfulness had really taken off at that time. I know there were a lot of people in Boulder and elsewhere just sort of beginning to plant those seeds. But I think TM was really the first that came to this country. Well, there was Zen meditation. Mm-hmm. You know, people were doing what they called Zazen. And there were um, something called encounter groups or tea groups and where people would get together and they sort of have their own talk sessions. And I think those are all, they have their own value. And when people say to me, well, I do mindfulness, I don't need to do TM or I do TM and so I don't ever want to learn something else. I, I said, it's not siloed like that. There's a different mechanics and they have different outcomes. You can see it in the brainwave signatures. Well, so, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, I was going to say, I, I really want you to talk about that because we talked to so many people with different um, opinions about meditation and some people feel like you should really find your home. So whether it's TM or mindfulness, Vipassana, whatever, that you find your teacher, you find your home. There are others who look at meditation almost as a sport um, in that there are so many different kinds and that doing different meditations for different reasons is a good thing. So I want to know a little bit more about how you're defining TM and how it's different from some of these other meditation styles that we're hearing so much about right now. So I'd like to answer the, the second one. I think that there's been a real dumbing down of authentic meditations. You know, Vogue magazine has on the cover five steps to enlightenment. And I think that cheapens meditation. And it's actually dangerous because People do have high levels of anxiety. They do have insomnia. They do feel depressed, all of us. And then we have sort of given this choice. Well, you can take medication or when then a person thinks, well, or I could try meditation. And then the meditation that's being offered is some sort of almost not a cheap trick, but it's just, you know, it's a trend, fad. So I'm not a fan of that. The first question is, there are authentic, legitimate, science-based approaches to meditation. And they, they are often not mass meditation, but you learn from a certified teacher and it can take a little bit of time. You take a course. That, I think, is what people should look at. So according to science, there are three basic types of legitimate forms of meditation. They used to think all meditations were the same. But then they did brain research and they said there's three basic types. First is called focused attention, focused attention. And that in the analogy of the ocean is trying to stop waves. You have a busy thinking mind, monkey mind they call it, 
you want to clear your mind of thoughts, or you want to focus on one thought, concentrate, stop the mind from wandering in order to create some semblance of calm. And that creates something called gamma brain waves. And gamma brain waves are 20 to 50, 60 cycles per second, really fast. And those are the brain waves of a person who's in fierce concentration. And focused attention is a tool for cognitive and affective training. And that means um, emotions and cognitive means learning, memorizing, um, just thinking through things. So cognitive and um, affective training. It's manipulating the thought, the waves on the surface. Second is called open monitoring. Open monitoring, the mindfulness techniques here are how to dispassionately uh, think. Emotionally remove yourself from some upsetting thought or sensation. You have body scans where you feel different areas of your body. You learn how to sit back, stand back, and, and watch your breath, non-judgmentally um, uh, observe your thoughts and, oh, this is a thought about school, this is a thought about my parents, it, that sort of thing. It trains one to sort of step back from the fray. And that creates something called theta brain waves, which are five to seven cycles per second, which are like a, a mind brain that's sort of idling and it's pre-onset dream and it's quiet and it's a, I use that as a lovely coping tool. So if in the middle of the day things get really intense, I can take two minutes and I can sense my the breath going out of my nostrils and in my nostrils. So that's the second. And that is like watching the waves rise and fall on the surface of the ocean dispassionately. And the third is called self-transcending. And self-transcending is included in that as transcendental meditation. In transcendental meditation, we're not stopping the waves on the surface. We're not up even paying attention to waves that we don't really care about how many thoughts we don't we have we don't even really care about what the thoughts are about content of thoughts we're allowing the surface agitated excited thinking mind sometimes aggravated thinking mind the whole surface to just begin to settle down towards those quieter calmer cooler levels of of the mind and so we're accessing what they call a source of thought where the mind is naturally calm rather than manipulating the surface. And when that happens, brainwaves show that we create alpha one, which is eight to 10 cycles per second, which is a state of deep inner wakefulness, and the body gains a profound state of rest. When you say source of thought, so I wanna help our audience understand a little bit more of what it means to self-transcend and what you're you're referring to when you say that source of thought just so that i can kind sure, of make it sure. real for everyone sure so imagine that ocean or a pond and there's waves on the surface and then the depth of the sandy bottom it's calm it's just at the sandy bottom now you're standing by the side of the pond and you see a bubble burst on the surface of the pond now we don't think that bu bubble just appeared on the surface we have a sense that, oh, there was something, you know, like a clam or there's some some gas, something like that from the bottom. And that bubble emerged from the sandy bottom and then rose up through the span of the pond and got bigger and bigger and bigger and then burst on the surface. And then we think, oh, there's a bubble in TM. 
we hypothesize that deep within every one of us is a level of consciousness, field of consciousness, level of consciousness that is already settled and calm and wide awake. It's a field of energy, intelligence, happiness. Transcendental meditation allows the thinking mind through the use of a mantra to retrace those steps and access that calm me before I have thoughts, before I have emotions, before I have feelings, before I see things, just quiet, and they call it samadhi, which samadhi means uh, even consciousness. I have to say two things here. Number one, my explanation there is a million times more complicated than the experience itself. The experience is so simple and so lovely. And we already have that notion. When you're with a friend and you say, you know, we have to talk about something really important. What do you say? You say, let's go someplace quiet. Because when you go someplace quiet, everything settles down. You're more yourself. You're truer to your feelings. And so in transcendent, it's like at that level of intuition. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That level of, it accesses that level of intuition or faint feeling level. And is that where you are finding that deepest sense of calm within you? Is that only, you are only able to do that with this sort of self-transcending meditation? Or do you think some of the other styles of meditation can get you to that place as well? I think there are many things that can get us to that place. People have, you know, athletes talk about the zone. Right. When they are performing, but it doesn't happen all the time. You know, it's like that lucky athlete who said, oh, my God, in the seventh game of the World Series, everything slowed down and everything, you know, it's just random. Or you read Wordsworth or Thoreau or, or um, any of these Emerson and they talk the transcendentalists, they talk about those moments when inside everything is calm and outside it's just crazy busy, but inside is calm. And I imagine that those experiences could take place in other forms. From my experience, it hasn't happened, but not, not regularly. Whereas with transcendental meditation, I wanna go back to that transcendental meditation, what it does is it directly accesses that, that's its whole purpose is to go there, is you don't repeat the mantra clearly when you're doing TM. That's a misunderstanding. People think, well, it's a mantra meditation. You just repeat the mantra clearly. No, use the mantra as a vehicle or a catalyst to, again, in that, to like dive within. This meditation has always been taught one-to-one. -one. You have like an hour and a half with your own teacher to just be sure you've got it and you're doing it correctly and, and there's no questions or doubts. You've got it and then you meet for an hour over the next three consecutive days. So it's an hour a day over four days about to learn this. And then you've, you've like got it. And I want to return. I'm not a siloing person. I think that first thing in the morning, I get up before I check my emails, I close my eyes, I dive within 20 minutes. I, I access that calm. My brain waves change to alpha. After that, I'm naturally so much more mindful. After that, I'm so much more not lost in the emotion because there's the calm, that self-referral calm and, and clarity and expansion. If, I, if it, things do get crazy, well, great. I know a mindfulness techniques in the middle of the day that I could do to help me with that situation. I don't consider it defiling my practice. 
I consider it smart to be trained in different legitimate approaches that together can help me not just cope with stress, because there's a lot more to life than just coping with stress, but actually unfold and, and utilize my full creative potential. Yeah, I love that you're saying that because I do think that meditations can help with different times in your day, times in your life. And the thing that I always hear about TM is, um, you know, you're always hearing celebrities or athletes just, you know, sort of raving about the impact. And I hear that in general about meditation. People that start meditating, um, and we see this in reviews on our app, it's, these are life-changing experiences for people. Um, and so do you think that a lot of the celebrities that you've taught are, you know, helping this sort of message in terms of helping more people really benefit from starting a practice using I'm so TM? Glad you, I'm so glad you asked that question because sometimes as the head of the David Lynch Foundation, I get crit criticized. They say, oh, Bob, you're just teaching celebrities. And I said, for every one person you know, I teach a hundred or 500 or a thousand people you've never heard of. Because I work with the David, or we, we do with the David Lynch Foundation. We work in inner city schools and we work on military bases and we work with HIV, you know, AIDS, HIV clients. I mean, that's the focus of my work. Right. It's just, you know a Jerry Seinfeld or you know a Cameron Diaz. So that's one thing. The second thing is David Lynch Foundation doesn't seek out anybody. They just call us. And I'm very fortunate that people who want to learn are genuinely really good, beautiful, deep human beings. I'm sure you know a lot of types of people. It's not the picnic life that everybody thinks they have. They suffer from the same insomnia, from the same anxiety. You say, oh, big deal. You know, you've got all the money in the world. All the money in the world, if you can't sleep at night, yeah. hey, you can buy more Ambien. That's not going to do anything. Right. So the people who are coming are coming for legitimate reasons. And the last thing on that is, um, yeah, I think, because we live in a very celebrity-driven world where disproportionate attention and, and merit is given to someone because you've seen him on a movie screen, which is bizarre to me, Yes, um, that they have helped a lot. But people may hear about TM because of a celebrity, but they don't continue to do it because Jerry Seinfeld meditates. They may try it, they continue to do it every day because it's easy to do, it's relaxing, it's enjoyable, it's invigorating, and it makes sense in their life. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I really loved the interview that you did with Lena Dunham, and partially because it was so honest and authentic, and I loved what she said about anxiety running in her family, and that I guess you or maybe someone else taught TM to everyone in her family. Um, because I think this is so true. I'm hearing so much about anxiety now, and I want to sort of shift a little bit because the work that you do at the David Lynch Foundation is incredible. And I want to talk about the Quiet Time program because one of the statistics we've got on the site is that 25% of teenagers suffer from anxiety disorders. Nearly 3 million children receive medication for ADHD. Suicide is the third leading cause of death among teenagers. I want to share a little bit about what you're doing with that program. You know, the interesting thing, I, I was at speaking at a conference on stress in the ad developing child and adolescent brain. And a child's brain and a teenager's brain do not have the 
mechanisms in place online, the frontal lobe, the executive functioning like an adult does to filter out, to put into context the confusing, violent, disruptive world around them. That's why a child who sees her or his parents arguing, it's very traumatic. Or the parents who divorce, the child thinks it's my fault because they don't have that capacity to be able to put things in context. Oh no, you know, daddy is doing this and mommy was like that and so they don't love each other. Everything is internalized and everything basically scars the brain. The, the, what they say that the child or adolescent brain is being sculpted into the adult brain. So the traumas that that child who can't filter anything out, you know, the, the scratch marks, they're just with them. I gave a talk to 60 second graders at a well-heeled public school in New Jersey. And I just said, how many of you guys feel anxious and stressed? Every hand went up. And, and so what we're doing is we are bringing transcendental meditation to what's called quiet time, where the schools begin and end each school day with like 10 or 15 minutes of TM. So the school starts with 10 or 15 minutes of TM, ends with 10 or 15 minutes of TM, and it does several things. It eliminates the stress. Who knows if they've even slept the night before? Who knows what food they've eaten? And at the end of the day, the, you know, the anxiety of, of the bullying and all that sort of stuff, they meditate before they go home, gets rid of stress, it wakes up the brain, allows that sort of alpha one coherent brainwaves to sort of flood the brain. So now the word they're using, there's more learning readiness. So they find that these quiet time schools, the test scores go up, um, that suspensions and expulsions and dropout rates go down, drug abuse goes down, graduation rates increase, and I think one of the most wonderful outcomes that nobody pays much heed to, but I think is probably the single most important thing that could happen to a child when they're in school, and that is they report the children, get this, that they feel happier. <laughs> We've provided scholarships for half a million kids to learn to meditate. And people say, that's great. And I say, do you know how many hundreds of millions? You know, it's like just the start. It's just the start. It's just the start. But you guys are doing such brilliant work, and I'm just I'm so impressed with it. Thank you so much. Thanks so much, Bob, for being on the show today. Really lovely talking with you. Take yeah, care. Thanks. Thanks so much to Bob for sharing his perspectives on Transcendental Meditation. You can get more information at davidlynchfoundation.org or at tm.org. Once again, if you have feedback or suggestions for guests, email us at patricia at meditationstudioapp.com. And don't forget to check out Meditation Studio App in the App Store. See you next week.